0: Welcome to Cruxcast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview and if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Peter Albert, who's the MD of Highfield Resources. They're an Australian company with potash assets in Spain. We learn about their strategy that they're going to employ to get into production and also they give us a background into the universe of potash, who the players are, and how pricing works. Good morning, Peter. How are you, sir? I'm excellent, thank you. Matthew, very good. Here in uh, here in Pamplona, in uh, in Spain. Fantastic. So yeah, you're up in the sort of northeast of Spain, and Pamplona famous for the bull run.
1: Yes, it gets a bit crazy
0: here for about
1: uh, ten days of a year, but the rest of the time it's a quiet, conservative, uh, very very pleasant place to live.
0: Very nice. Let's talk about what you hope is a bull run of your own, um, which is um, Highfield Resources. You're in the potash space, um, but we, and we also, I'd love to get into the detail of that. But before we do, could you just give us a one minute overview of the business for people new to this story?
1: Highfield Resources, an Aussie listed company, uh, HFR is the, is the moniker. Uh, all, all of our assets are really here in Spain. Uh, we're focused on Spain, we're focused on, on potash. Uh, the whole of the executive team is is based here in uh, in Pamplona in Spain, and we're putting together the very exciting uh, Muga Podaj project. We have a number of tenements uh, uh, in the on the uh, what is called the Ebro Ebro River Ebro sorry Ebro River Basin, and we have focused on one of those projects called the Muga project. And we have uh, quite recently received our environmental permit for that project. And it's a two-phase development. We're going to produce 500,000 tons of potash in the first phase, and a further 500,000 tons in the second phase. We're into the next stage of the of the permitting and uh, and and getting the detailed engineering done,
0: and we're well on the way. Brilliant, brilliant, great summary. So, I'm going to try and keep this simple because this this is this is uh, designed for you know retail, family office, high net worth. So perhaps I've got the Access to type of research, which institutions do. So let's start off with, okay, what is potash? What is it used for? I think at its simplest, people will think fertilizer, but it's a bit more than that. Uh, yeah, potash
1: is uh, one of the three key components of, of fertilizer application, and you can apply it directly or um, often blended with uh, NPK. Um, uh, it's used for crops, uh, growing crops, getting more out of out of uh, out of the ground, so to speak to improve the uh, the, uh, the healthiness of crops, to improve the growth rates of, of the crops. Uh, uh, different forms of potash. We uh, the, the potash, basically two different forms, MOP and SOP. MOP is, is what we we'll produce and that's the biggest market and it's used for uh, crops such as soybean and corn and, and and crops such as
0: that. I've come across potash every now and again. I'm coming to There's not a lot of players in the market. Um, the, there are several large players in this market. Um, but the retail market or family office, I know, it's, it's, not, it's not well known. So can you, I, we, I need to try and understand what the thesis is here for why should people be thinking about potash? So can you answer that?
1: Potash is, uh, uh, is a commodity like no other commodity. It, um, there's, a, there's a market today uh, in, in our space of, of almost 70 million tonnes, growing at 2.5% per annum, in order to feed a, a growing world population.
0: So, who uses potash? Who, who are you selling into? When you say there's 70 million tonnes sold here, I mean, who's buying that? Who's, who's using it on a daily basis?
1: the the end user of course is, uh, is our farmers um, but along the along the the journey you can sell to co- cooperatives off-takers and blenders or you can sell directly to farmers if it's if it's big enough right so the the end users are all are all farmers but the marketplace in terms of who we will sell our product to could be a
0: a mixture of all of those can i just try and understand what the 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 market looks like okay so you've got a number of big players, right? So you know, who, who can is there someone who controls the market, or is it sort of an open field for new entrants like yourself to come in?
1: Now, barriers to entry are extremely uh, high. Uh, the marketplace is uh, about today a little bit shy of sixty-seven million tons, and seventy-five percent of that is is controlled or dominated, I should probably say, by uh, half a dozen players, maybe maybe eight players. Uh, Canadians, Russians, Belarusians, primarily big companies producing uh, a lot of potash uh, for six or eight million tons uh, capacity uh, from uh, from a few a handful of key players. The uh, the the, uh, the mines that you need to develop to to extract potash are usually very deep, very costly. Uh, and therefore, the barrier to entry in this commodity space is quite challenging.
0: So, just so I get a sense of how the market works and operates, you, you mentioned a few of the big players there, but how is pricing controlled? If I look at other sectors, you know, utilities control it or traders control it. it does how does potash work when it comes to pricing?
1: Uh, well, it's a, it's a fairly simple supply and demand a- equation. Uh, the, the farmers. Demand uh, products for uh, for their crops and their yields and, and the and the market supplies. That's pretty simplistic, of course, but um, and and the marketplace uh, of course has variation according to weather patterns and according to the time of the year and the climate uh, in different parts of the world. But it's a global marketplace. Uh, supplied uh, primarily out of uh, Canada and, and, and the, and the Russians, uh, Russian states, uh, and out of, the, out of the Middle East, and are, you know, people uh, people supplied to those different marketplaces. Um, the it's uh, the, the market is growing at two and a half percent per annum. Uh, of course, uh, some supply goes off. Some dem- uh, the demand increases. Some new supply comes on. That helps to, or that keeps the market in balance, so to speak. Um, and, uh, the forecast and the history would say that Horashi's um, demand is is increasing at two and a half percent per annum. Year in, year out, uh, from here as far as you can see, in order to feed the growing world population.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I'm just I was looking at some of the charts in your presentation. I'll put a link to the presentation in the description below. Um, the general trend is up, but it is kind of spiky in places, as you say, can be affected by other commodity prices in in agriculture um, at, at times, but also supply issues. I noticed are, are, are a thing, but. The one component I, I, I couldn't um, get past or couldn't quite understand was there seem to be like two sets of prices. There's a sort of European price and then there's a kind of rest of the world, you're indicating on one of the um, diagrams. Why is, why is that? The
1: unique uh, aspect of the munga project is, is really its location. Hmm. Uh, we are in the centre of an intensive agricultural region. Uh, we have superb infrastructure surrounding us, uh, and we can get di- our product directly into a local marketplace, whether that's to cooperatives or to off-takers or blenders, or even directly to to farmers. But we're also very close to uh, a deep sea water ports, and we can get uh, our product across to uh, Brazil, which is a very, very deep uh, potash-consuming region so we're, we our location from that perspective is is unique uh, and, uh, and, and, and and really differentiates uh, this business from any other potash potential development on the planet really um, but you asked about the, uh, the the cost differential there and, and the cost so we're, we're feeding into a marketplace on our doorstep uh, for others to get into this marketplace they have to bring it a long way whether you're coming from Russia or they're coming from Canada you've got a long way, you've got 2000 kilometers of land to get across, you've got a, uh, thousands of kilometres of sea journey, you've got to bring brig loads in, you've then got to break it down into smaller loads to deliver it to those cooperatives or off-takers. And, and there, there is historically uh, and continues to be a about a 20 or $30 per ton difference between a, a, a CFR North European price and an FOB Vancouver price. And so not only do we have access to a market on our doorstep, we have access to and to a, a better price right for that market on our doorstep.
0: So you've got you've got higher margins because your transportation costs are lower because you, you, the 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 shipping or by road uh, component is is a much smaller element of your costs. But is there a premium? for your potash versus any other potash or is it all just the same?
1: It all, all the same. You make a, what is called a K60 product uh, and uh, wherever you sell it to, there's a price for that product uh, that is negotiated uh, at, on, on, a, on, a, uh, on a delivery basis. Sometimes there's contracts, longer term contracts in place. Often there's, uh, it's just a, a spot what's happening in the marketplace at that time and what the demand is at that time.
0: Right. Okay. So your focus is going to be mainly Europe, because it's, it's on the doorstep. You can make better margins there, but you've got the option of going to Brazil as well and being able to sell at reasonable margins, economic.
1: Uh, well, uh, there's a slight, slight correction there. Yes, Europe, but also Brazil. Uh, it, okay. Brazil is, is really deep uh, and is a very good, and, and relatively, it might sound uh, a long way away, but uh, put into context, it's only 5000 kilometers across the Atlantic for us. Uh, if you're coming from Canada, you've got a, a, a nearly a 9,000-kilometer journey. You've got before that, you've got 2,000 kilometers across the land. Right. So you know it's relatively very close for us.
0: Right. So you described earlier to me the size of the market and size of the size of the opportunity. Um, there were some closures around 2016, which has had a positive effect on on price. Um, you're, and we will talk about it in a second, probably you know th- three years away from getting into production. What are the barriers between now and then that could stop you from getting into production?
1: We, we have just received our environmental permit. Uh, that was a tremendous uh, 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 tick of approval for the project in Spain, in Europe, by the highest uh, environmental authority on the, on, uh, in the land, as well as the European oversight and regulations that go with that. So really, really strong uh, de-risking of the project. Now we're into uh, the next phase of uh, approvals: that's mining concession and construction permits. Uh, tremendous, tremendous support from local government, local communities who, who really want this project to grow, go. Uh, depopulation uh, is, a, is a major challenge here. Uh, this is a multi-decade, multi-generational project. So it's got tremendous, tremendous support. We've got to get the permits in place, which we're, we're well advanced with. Uh, we're we're working on the detail engineering, and then there's the finance.
0: Uh, yeah, great. So let's talk about some of those components. So you're well done in getting the, the the permit through, but to put in sort of the mining parlance, for again people new to potash, you've been through a series of studies. Is that right? Yeah. Right, and you're now at permitting stage. So, have you got any more studies to do? Any more? How much more time is there uh, to get into production? What are you doing during that period?
1: Oh, well, we're we're beyond feasibility study. We're 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 um, uh, we're making awards for long lead items of equipment, specific specifically some of the mining equipment and some of the process plant equipment. Um, we're, uh, we're doing detailed engineering. We've awarded uh, the detailed engineering, so we're beyond feasibility study. Uh, so we're, we're we're well on the way. So it's uh, during the in parallel as we're getting these uh, final permits in place, we're also bringing the project forward. So that once we get all the permits in place, then we can get on the ground, dig the start the, uh, the first shovel of dirt as, as soon as we possibly can, and then it's a two-year build from from there.
0: Right. Okay. So. So two-year builds, so how long between now and getting to the point where you can get the shovel in the ground?
1: It's, uh, it's hard to be definitive because uh, you're, you know, right. of course, working with a, a bureaucracy and, and administration, which by the way, you're doing a fantastic job. We estimate uh, from the point of, uh, of the environmental permit, which is now four or five months ago, a 12 to 18-month frame to get all the rest of the permits in place. So sometime in the second half of next year.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Understood. And so given that you've done the Feasibility Studies, the Economic Studies, do you want to tell us some of the numbers around the size of this project?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, the project, uh, uh, as we discussed uh, a little bit earlier, uh, it comes in two phases. So, it's, it's a phase one is a 500,000 ton per annum, roughly, approximately, output of, of potash, MOP muriate potash, mm. uh, and the second phase is is doubling that to to take us to a million a million tons. Mm. Um, so, the the first phase, uh, we've just reestimated that, and, and the capital has hardly moved from where it was a year ago. Uh, 368 million euros, and the second phase approximately 200 million euros. Got to put that into, into context. So, if you t- convert that to US dollars, for example, that's, a, that's 600 million US dollars for a million tons of potash, that is much less than half what it would cost uh, any other uh, uh, pro- a potash project to come into production. And the reason for that uh, uh, is twofold. First is the ore body. The orbit mm-hmm. itself is is only 350 meters below the surface. It doesn't have a, a, an aquifer sitting on top of it. If you if you if you look at the, the big projects around the world they're, they're deep plus a thousand meters they have aquifer sitting on top of them and it's very costly to get into to get into the potash horizon. Hence one of the reasons why we are, uh, so so attractive. Then the second reason why our capital is so low is because we are surrounded by tremendous infrastructure outside of the front gate of the mine. There are literally superhighways and power infrastructure, and we don't have to put any of that in. And we're only 200 kilometres away, or even less, 150 kilometres away from ports, so we can get access and get our product onto ships. So the capital intensity of the project is is really uh, very attractive because one of the biggest barriers to, to entry in, into this commodity space is the capital cost. And we are very attractive.
0: Great. And so can you tell us a little bit about the, the mining itself? So just again, to to put in context sort of regular mining of you know, precious metals, etc. What is the process for extracting your ore body? Is it easier? Is it lower risk than conventional mining? How, how do you get it out of the ground?
1: It's it's a, it's a it's a soft rock uh, uh, material that we're mining. So think of coal, for example. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to develop two declines or uh, into into the ore body. And so we don't have to put a shaft in. So we're going to put two big declines into the into the ore body, only down 350 meters, and from there it's a, a straightforward room and pillar. Uh, mining exercise we extract the ore and the and the and the salt that goes with it we transport that to surface on conveyors and on the surface it's a very simple straightforward flotation and crystallization so very 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 straightforward nothing nothing no cutting edge technology here all, all well well practiced and well used technology
0: okay and the, and the moP itself I mean does that? Does it have a, like a use-by date if it's being used as a you know, fertiliser or is, can it just sit around on the surface for as long as you want?
1: <laughs> I've never been asked that question. <laughs> by no, I don't think it does. Of course you want to move it because it's got value,
0: but Sure, use it. sure. But, it, uh, but, it, but it doesn't deteriorate in any way. No, you, you
1: warehouse it uh, and you have to uh, sometimes as a cyclical, cyclical uh, weather patterns or, or or crop demands, so you, there's a bit of warehousing that happens at different points along the supply chain, right. but no, it's not a commodity that deteriorates okay. uh, unless unless you uh, expose it to rainwater, then, then of course you get lose
0: it. That's a relatively safe thing. There's no, there's no kind of it's very benign. Yep. Very benign. Very okay. So you've talked about the sort of uh, capex component here, but I, you know the other thing which I, I noticed and I quite like it when I see this with companies is that you're sitting on a lot of cash at the moment. So you've got again options there. Is the, when's that going to see you through to and you know do you need to spend that between now and getting into production?
1: Yeah, we have uh, about 30 million euros. We uh, I think it's 44 million Aussie dollars. So we're, we're we're you know reasonably well cashed up. Got plenty of uh, plenty of uh, money in the bank to keep uh, going with our current process. Of course, there'll come a point in time when we're we'll making major uh, project commitments that uh, that we're going to go put the financing to in place, the debt and the equity components. We're blessed with having that money in place. We're not we're not out there rattling the can. Uh, of course, very uh, very uh, uh, interested if somebody wants to make an approach to us in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, we're uh, we're blessed with having that money, and we can continue uh, up up to the mining concession at least to, to move the project along.
0: So you're not going to run out of uh, cash before you need to go and you know start. To, well, I, I, are you talking to people about debt equity for the production component? Because I know you you're talking to the engine you know about engineering earlier. You must have a sense of what you need to go and raise. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We're talking to people all, all the time. We've got uh, significant European banks uh, who have uh, previously provided 185 million euros of debt credit approved, uh, and we continue to to engage with those banks, and they they remain very interested in the project. And on the equity side, again, a, a lot of interest. Uh, uh, the the project uh, you know, financial outcomes are so outstanding, we've got a tremendous amount of interest.
0: Right. So you use the phrase there, previously approved. What, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, well, it, the, some 4-years ago, uh, there was a, a, a process that, that the company went through with the banks, uh, anticipating that uh, the project would move uh, fast at that point in time, uh, and the banks provided that level of credit-approved debt at that point in time. That, of course, has lapsed, um, but that uh, the banks remain very interested in the project.
0: As in, you've had recent conversations and they've used that data or new data to assess it and the indications are positive.
1: No, well, of course, the indications are positive because the potash prices continues to increase uh, and our economics uh, both are, uh, have improved. So it's uh, it's a good 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 equation. On, or both, good on both sides of that equation. We don't know yet uh, what, what the final outcome will be there, uh, but we'd be, uh, we'd be hopeful that it would not be too, far, too dissimilar to what it was before and maybe better.
0: Okay. So you're having conversations all the time. Your economics are better you're ex- and the, the market is better. Your expectation, well, it's better than it was when you last had this conversation around debt, equity funding for the CapEx. Your expectation is that you'll get you'll get it, but you've got no indications in writing yet.
1: Oh no, you won't, and we won't have, I and mean, we were not looking for those at this point in time. We don't need them at this point in time, uh, and we don't want them at this point in time. You know, you uh, you sign up to some of these, uh, 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 sign up to uh, those sorts of arrangements, and they, it starts uh, it starts costing a lot of money. Yeah, and we go not need
0: to do that. No, I, I know it all too well. Um, so and just again give people a sort of sense of how these deals get constructed in terms of the you know the equity debt split or you know financing on equipment etc I mean how do these things typically break down I know you don't specifically know but just give people an idea there
1: uh, the, the project finance banks uh, you work with them in terms of what the what the numbers and the ratios will provide. In terms of an outcome and the amount of debt that they will provide, and then of course then uh, then you then you've got a a very clear idea of the equity you need to raise if if you haven't raised it already, and then you can go into into the equity markets if if again if you haven't done that already. The banks will uh, of course uh, require that you draw down your equity before you can draw down the debt. In any
0: case, right? Okay. Okay and, and uh, so just I uh, just want to clarify with the cash component the 44 million Aussie or 30 million euros you're not going to get anywhere near expe- uh, burning through that between now and the capex raise
1: well we, we, we would uh, we would dovetail that coordinate that to the you know, to to uh, to make sure that we were uh, not not exposed uh, quite
0: right right okay okay fine um, and you've got EMR so as EMR Capital, well known. Um, they're going to are they going to keep uh, their shareholding at the same sort of level? Or are they are they going to continue to invest at the next stage?
1: EMR Capital, uh, good question. I think a very strong supporter. Um, they've been there thirty percent for uh, a, a, a little while now. Continue to uh, demonstrate, articulate, and uh, and and and. Make uh, make uh, give support to the company, and uh, and that's uh, that hasn't changed. You know, they they're in for the long run. they they want to see this project up and running because there's there's a the value that comes out of the investment, uh, and they've been a very very good support.
0: What's the so what's the likelihood of like one of the major one of the other major producers at the moment coming in and wanting to uh, have a conversation with you? Um, you know, because we we talk about strategic partners, we talk about smart money, dumb money. Um, management want to get into production, you know, don't want to get into production. We, we, you know, what's your exit look like?
1: Uh, well, of course, we we want to get into production. Uh, in terms of you into as I was sort of talking earlier on, it's a sixty today. It's a sixty-seven million ton uh, marketplace, uh, and of and of that. 75% is dominated by half a dozen players so they they're producing far more than we will ever produce so on the, on the, on a on a world scale when we're at full production we're not going to move the needle you know, so you know, the, what what would be attractive uh, to a, a corporate for, for a, a high field uh, is our location and the potential to grow that million tons to, to something else We have a number of tenants there are other uh, projects that will come in in time uh, but a million tons is on its own it doesn't stand out but a million tons in this market, with this footprint and with the potential to grow yes it's uh, it becomes uh, something that uh, that is it could be of interest and of course now we've got the environmental permit moving closer towards the the mining concession then continued continuing to de-risk the project the the uh, the outcomes that we've just uh, been through in terms of the uh, revi- or the optimised project and the financial outcomes of that, just pushing the the project into a different paradigm. Mm. The business will be a, a very, very good business. I mean, we we'll, we we will current um, projections be making over three hundred million uh, euros of EBITDA. It's it will be a very, very solid business. Now somebody comes in and wants to uh, make a tilt of us. Of course, the board is going to, going to look at that. Yeah, that is not our, that is not our focus or our yeah. strategy today. Our strategy today is get this thing uh, up and running, built into production, and and then there's for, then there's opportunities after that. We okay. we don't have a mindset of
0: looking for an exit today. There's a lot of management teams go. We're going to get this thing into production, and they think. Don't actually think that, but they've got to say that because otherwise, you kind of someone comes along and is going to offer you a discount on on the on, on whatever price you're looking for. So now, just I just it's more about processing, you know, sort of an understanding of where you're at. So Your mindset is we're going to go for this thing. It throws off a lot of cash. Um, the growth is going to come from our other assets, which are not as fully developed as Mooga. Well, no, they're,
1: they're, they're long term. Mooga on its own is, is just outstanding. Yeah, so it's, no, so no. It's um, you know, there is there is a pipeline of other opportunities, but Mover on its own is is just an outstanding project. Whether it, at a million tons, it, it's uh, it, it sort of is attractive to the corporates, which is where you were, the big corporates, those who are producing six or seven or eight million tons, is a is is a moot point. The mm. um, key there is if they were, then it's it's about the, the, the f- geographic footprint and it's about um, uh, and it's about the potential
0: upside. Yeah, so I mean, your other assets are also in Spain? Well,
1: altogether, they are a suite of tenements yeah. uh, in a southeasterly direction from Pamplona, where I'm sitting today, about yeah. uh, uh, 50 or 60, 70 kilometers crossing the border from Aragon into, into sorry, from Navarra into Aragon.
0: Okay, and so, the, I mean, obviously, Spain, you're saying, is quite a good jurisdiction. You've just, you know, just been uh, permitted. Um, you've no intention to go beyond that jurisdiction or that geography into other areas for growth. You've got enough on your hands today.
1: Yeah, we've got plenty on our plate uh, and we're focused on this. You know, we, we, uh, all of, we've got the blinkers off. We've got to, right. we've got to, we've got to uh, get uh, Mooga up and running and then, yeah. then you know, we can think about other, other downstream opportunities and, and, uh, uh, and the like.
0: Right. So if, okay, so if I look at your share, I want to you know talk about this from the perspective of new investors. I think people are already invested and in you really like the story. They like the management team. You know, you've been delivering, doing what you say you're going to be doing. For people coming in new to this, and they're sort of looking at the share price since 2016, I think you've described some of the vagaries of the market. But perhaps can you give us some sort of sense of where you think the market's going to go? And how that's going to affect your share price positively or negatively? Well,
1: you know the, the, the market cap today at, at about two, it rough round numbers, two hundred million Aussie. When we've got a, a an NPV of, of three billion Aussie, it, it doesn't add up. You know yeah. we're, we're 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 well underpriced. I mean, every CEO in the world will tell you that. But that you know we're we're well underpriced, um, and we've been been a lot higher, uh, and we should be a lot higher. The, the the challenges for for us have been the getting the environmental approval. Now we're we're still in the uh, approvals process with the mining concession, and so uh, some, uh, there's an anticipation that that uh, that may uh, result in a re-rating. It, it, it may it may not it may may the the the, uh, the fundamentals behind the the project are well understood. The thematic of, of potash. Is understood by our investors, but as you've indicated, possibly not in the in the broader uh, investment space. Uh, but it's it's not that hard to understand. The trouble is, it's controlled by a few big players, and, and we're a, a relatively small entrant. And uh, but the the attributes of the project in terms of its low capital intensity, low operating costs, great financial outcomes. Uh, uh, should should be attracting a lot of uh, investment interest, and you would anticipate that our share price and, and value from today has a long, long way, long, long way to go. Our job is to convince the market of that, but of course, the market is 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 fickle. It doesn't really understand this space as well as it, as well as it, it needs to. Um, and uh, and and there's uh, you know we've got a 30% shareholding with EMR 5% with Aussie super the rest is mostly uh, mostly retail uh, and uh, of course people are looking at beyond where we are today to you know the funding of the project and and, and building that into the equation
0: yeah I, th- I think possibly you are suffering you're at that kind of i always say the CEOs you're at that kind of very boring phase of just waiting to for people to understand the funding for the production and then you usually see a bit of an uptick at that point. Um, so you think the obviously the, th- the thematic is very, very strong and the story is easy to understand. So what are you doing to get out there and tell this story to new investors? You, how, how, do you, how do you go about helping people understand what it is that they should be understanding as far as you're concerned?
1: Yeah, well, we're doing. Uh, I mean, in in truth, as we were going up, getting up to the environmental permit, you know, it, 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 we weren't doing a, a huge amount. You can't, you can't deal with the same questions all the time. When's you? When are you going to get the environmental permit? We're beyond beyond that now. So the uh, the last uh, couple of months, and, and certainly leading up to Christmas, very intense uh, process. Uh, I was in Australia last week uh, at the IMARC conference, back to back meetings. Investor relations uh, a guy is in Australia today. Meetings through this week, next week, we've got uh, we've got uh, intensity of, of meetings coming up in in Europe and in London in the next two or three weeks. So really getting getting out there, and and uh, we've got um, brokers and, and supporters and, and and others who are uh, wanting to assist us in getting in getting in front of. Uh, of potential retail, institutional, and uh, and strategic investors. So a lot of interest, and, and we, we're we we're feeding that, uh, and um, uh, and it's uh, it's an intense period right now. It's okay. a, come a long way, in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, it has, it has. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's been fascinating when we were doing the research for it, seeing you know the process that you've been through. Um, the team looks smart. You know, you've created shareholder value. I think there's you know, a few more things to hurdles us to get over, but you know what they are, which is always good. Um, so when you're doing these roadshows and you're talking to these brokers, you're talking to the retail market, do you want to finish off? Give us the, the, the five reasons you think that people should be paying attention to high field resources. Uh,
1: okay. So the, 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 the elevator speech, so to speak. Um, well, <laughs> pot, well, pot, uh, potash is a, is a commodity that is like, you know, like no other standard commodity. It's, a, it's got a growth pattern, uh, which is uh, underpinned by all, all, the, all the key an- analysts, which will demonstrate a 2.5% growth rate year in, year out from here forever, mm-hmm. which is why you see such uh, interest in the potash space from some very big players at the moment. Number one, uh, number two, uh, we uh, we Highfield and our, on our uh, deposits in, uh, in in Spain, northern Spain, we're sitting on a known uh, potash region. There were two old mines operating here, which shut down about 30 years ago. Uh, so it's a known potash uh, environment. Uh, we have a number of tenements on on, on that uh, in this space, and we are developing the Muga project. Uh, it's uh, the all-body. Uh, there are some significant attributes to the all-body which make us very attractive. The capital intensity of this project is uh, is, is incomparable. Uh, we're uh, we're about a $600 per ton uh, uh, capital intensity compared to almost $2,000 a ton. Uh, if you were developing a project elsewhere, so the barrier to entry on a capital cost basis is very high, and we come well, well underneath that. So that makes us very attractive. The the profile of, of the of the projects in terms of getting into into the market is another. Tremendously key attribute. We're right. We sit in the centre of an intensive agricultural region. We can get our product directly into market. We're very close to uh, to uh, Brazil, believe it or not. It's only straight across the Atlantic. We haven't got. Uh, we 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 can get to the deep sea port of Bilbao, only 200 kilometres away. So our marketplace. Uh, is uh, is really what differentiates us. The operating cost at the mine gate for us uh, is, is, is we're we're almost in the, we're in the bottom 10%. What really uh, one as an investor you need to look at is not not what the operating cost is at the mine gate. We're very very attractive, but what you really need to look at is what's the margin, what's the profit back at the mine gate. After you've delivered your product to market, and and that's that's what makes us so attractive. We're in we're right there in the in the middle of the market, so we get very good pricing in 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 this in this European space compared to uh, FOB Vancouver, for example. We're very close relatively to Brazil. It's a great marketplace. We're right in the middle of it, uh, and the financial outcomes of that. Um, it puts us, uh, as I say, uh, a profit back at the mine gate, right at the top, right at the top of the top of the curve, uh, and that really what's di- really what differentiates us. Operating costs are fantastic. Uh, the EBITDA are uh, over 300 million euros per annum, average EBITDA. Uh, we've got an NPV you can't jump over. Uh, uh, it's a it's a multi generational, multi decade project. It's uh, it's just outstanding.
0: No, Great. great. Thanks for that summary, Peter. I appreciate you telling this story to us. Um, we're learning about potash, not a space, which we are, uh, we've, we've covered before. So you're our first one. appreciate you spending the time to do that. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you're getting on uh, and we will certainly be following you very keenly. Thank you.
1: Okay. Thanks Matthew.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCars